out of the park baseball is already the best baseball simulator out there and it's gotten even better with the release of their new perfect team mode perfect team is their foray into the ultimate team card collecting modes that have revolutionized the online experience for sports games if you already have ootp 19 then you have perfect team just go to the home page and click perfect team on the right hand side and you'll begin with your six starter packs to build the team. And from there, you can choose to open more packs or dive into the robust auction house and use perfect points to craft the team that you want. The depth of players is truly amazing with a card for every player present on an MLB roster, as well as legendary throwbacks like Babe Ruth, Walter Johnson, Cy Young, like Daryl Strawberry, Larry Walker, Manny Ramirez, all the way down to novelty players like Bob Euchre and Snuffy Sternweiss. That's right. I said Snuffy Sternweiss. That's a real player. Once you have your team, you build your lineups, you build your rotation, you pick the strategy that you want. You want to run a small ball team. You want to be a full sabermetrician. You want to be somewhere in between. You want to run an unorthodox. You can choose you know, how often that you're stealing, how often you're using shifts, the slowness or quickness of the hook for pitchers and relievers. A lot of detail there that you can set for the team and how it will run during the simulations. Uh, and once you set all that, you submit your team and the game simulates outcomes every 30 minutes from 9 a.m. to midnight central. Seasons run from Monday to Sunday with every day of the week covering a month and then Sundays covering the playoffs. Will you make the playoffs and be promoted to the next level or finish with one of the worst records in the league and possibly face relegation down to a previous level? Download the game for just $20 at ootpdevelopments.com and use code SLEEPER19 for a 10% discount at checkout. That's ootpdevelopments.com. Welcome to episode 630 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday, January 18th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what is going on? Uh, today's a busy day, dude. I have already recorded three podcasts this morning. What? A uh, bunch of uh, mini prospect pods with uh, Matt Thompson over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. And then I'm releasing our draft guide today. Yes, big yes. day. And we got nominated. We got nominated for an award. Let's go. FSWA Podcast of the Year nomination, along with Rotowire and ESPN. Great group. Really hope we win, but uh, fantastic to be nominated. Very excited about that. So I believe those will be announced in a, in a couple weeks, and so that'll be uh, that'll be awesome. So uh, also big congrats on putting out the guide today for uh, Friends with Fantasy Benefits. That's going to be awesome. You're updating it throughout the entire offseason, too, so you guys aren't getting a static guide you're going to get something that you know obviously there's some major signings left to be done and if those greatly change their fantasy outlooks mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and they probably uh, will of some guys if it's not for harper it's whoever spot he takes etc and things like that yeah it's uh it's super extensive like four I, I haven't even finished inputting the last couple things and it's 420 pages right now full like team previews going into each organization and each you know separate team prospect previews so each organization's top 10 prospects uh ranks 
a ton of strategy guides, uh, and it's seven dollars and fifty cents for ebook on Amazon. So I mean, you can't beat it, especially for something that's going to continue to be up updated as well. Um, you know, the worst review you got last year was a ridiculous two star that said there was too much analysis. Like I just I don't get that as a two star. Uh, sure, maybe you were overwhelmed by it, but I just don't know how you reflect that into a negative rating for something. But that's I don't that's think a people realize, you know, and this goes for like podcast reviews. Hey, feel free to go give us a five star review on a podcast on our podcast, yeah, our uh, award nominated podcast. Uh, people don't realize like those like two star reviews, one star reviews, like they really hurt. Um, you, like, you, for for us, it's sleeper really in the merited. bus. Yeah, for us, it's sleeper in the bus. They don't hurt as much, so feel free to just you know, <laughs> you know, give us one star if you really hate us. But because um, we have so many, I think we've got like five hundred and fifty five star reviews or something like that over yeah, on yeah, iTunes. Yeah, nice base to work from. Yeah, for sure. but like you know, friends of fantasy benefits, man. If we get one one star review, it like crushes us in the ranks. Or um, you know, with a draft guide, you know, you you get a bad review and it's like it crushes you. And I don't think people realize how much it hurts. Especially again, because that that doesn't seem like a truly viable reason to give a two star. Um, you know, something where you could even say three or four and just say, listen, you know, it was, it was good. It was valuable. It had a lot of info, almost too much for me. And you kind of phrase it that way. I just don't know that I go full negative there and give a two star review because I, you know, in, in this case, the, the person who left that review couldn't comprehend or, or didn't want to, you know, put in the work to, fully engrossed with the uh with, with the immense amount of information so uh but that being said like it's uh it, it's gonna be a lot of fun and hopefully people like it so amazon um for the uh, ebook or uh uh for the paperback and then uh friends fantasy benefits at gmail.com if you want fantastic. just a pdf and i will resend out weekly updates on the pdf uh much more continuous updates on the ebook and then if you want the paperback i will send you a pdf if you email me and show me the receipts that way you can continuously get the updates with that as well there you go i mean there, there you go folks it's all it's all right there for you so um again that's the friends with fantasy benefits guide coming out we're we're almost yeah i mean we're almost in the full swing of things you know these guides coming out stuff like that our player caps are nearing the finish line as well uh, going to be doing a lot of editing, inputting mine from the Word doc into the main doc that we have them in. So those will be live sooner than they were last year. I don't think we got them up to like Valentine's Day last year. So it's coming, folks. And and honestly, I have always viewed the Super Bowl as kind of, you know, once that ends, that's the opening day of fantasy baseball because that's when really any of the last football stragglers who are still super focused on football, you know, playing DFS playoff or whatever – they turn, everyone turns their attention to baseball at that point. So, um, and that's just a couple weeks away. Oh, but uh, yeah. we've got a, we've got a few moves to talk about today. Nothing big. We're really going to focus on our main topic, which is some post 380p uh, hitting breakouts. Now, I don't know if you remember some of the ones that came out of this realm last year. And so I made a little list uh, for people that might not, might not have remembered. We're talking guys like Aldoberto Mondesi, and I know he was more of just a second-half guy, but he did enough in the second half alone to be a major breakout. Jesus Aguilar, um, a, a very viable Rookie of the Year candidate. Miguel Andujar, 
Jed Lowry, who we just spoke glowingly of on the last podcast after he signed a deal. He obviously won't go post 300 this year. Young guys like Harrison Bader, Malik Smith, Brandon Nimmo, Jerickson Profar finally broke through. So a lot of guys come through post 300 realm and they're either blocked, they haven't performed before, uh, they're just long shots in general, a lot of different avenues. And so we're going to talk about a good handful of picks from that area that we, f- we think could really break out this year. But now before we talk about these moves, let's start with uh, one who could have actually qualified perhaps, but it's Avisal Garcia. He is going post 300. He's 367 right now. He's going out to Tampa Bay. And uh, he continues to be a guy who has his his uh, his proponents without a doubt. But they seem to see the power breakout that that few others really do. Now he's hit 18 and 19 in the last two years, which is great because uh, you know the, the the power really upped from 16 to 17, and then took even another step last year, even as the batting average evaporated because he hit 330 in 2017 uh, on the basis of a 392 BABIP. Well, the BABIP went all the way back down to 271 and took his average with it. But to his credit, he popped a 202 ISO and actually hit 19 homers in just 93 games. So maybe that power could be there for something more. But I think if you really want to believe in Avisal Garcia, you have to see high 20s power to really come through. Because I just don't know that you can bet on that batting average. He never showed any sort of batting average capability like that before, like the 330 he hit in 2017. But he goes out to... Tampa Bay, Avisal Garcia will get playing time out there. How do you feel about this this move uh, of them picking up Garcia? He's going to have value as long as they don't pick anybody else up. So, I mean, this could obviously change if they add a Edwin uh, and Garcion or they add someone else who's going to DH for them uh, and add kind of that power bat that kind of makes him the odd man out. It's a weird move. Uh, considering they have a pretty nice outfield in Austin Meadows, Tommy Pham, and Kevin Kiermeyer. Yeah, so Garcia is DHing, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. They, if they signed a DH type, that's when you'd worry about Garcia because he seems to be set in into the DH role right now. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I was a little uh, perturbed by it. It doesn't make a lot of sense, especially because we have heard them as kind of the top suitors for for E5 and for Jose Martinez. Uh, I don't think a power breakout's coming anytime soon. If it was, if it didn't happen with the White Sox in their stadium, I don't think it's happening in the Dome in mm-hmm. Tampa. Uh, you look at his stat cast numbers, while everybody else in, in the leagues, for the most part, uh, exit velocity is trending up. His stayed stagnant. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't do anything particularly great. He's just kind of a meh player all the way around which is going to have value in deeper leagues especially if we get to you know mid to late march and they haven't added anything else he's gonna play yep but it's it's not going to be anything super interesting so if you're in ale only if you're in what 20 team leagues yeah, he's going to be kind of an unsexy contributor in the middle of that lineup but the thing of it is if you believe in that power from last year where he amped to a 21% homer to fly ball rate, career high, like I said, the 202 ISO, and 19 homers in just 93 games. If you can extrapolate that to a degree, not full on, don't just do it for 600 plate appearances and say that's it. But if you really believe he can hit 25 plus, that's the only way I really see value, though, because that batting average was a complete anomaly. And so 
if he is hitting kind of his, even if it's his career 271, which I think that's a little inflated because of the 330 uh, from 2017. For sure. And and so I I kind of view him as more of say a 260 255 type of guy for Avisal Garcia, and if I can't get 25 plus homers out of that profile, I just don't see it because I don't know what we're gonna have counting wise for the runs and RBIs, and it's a little it's a little chip in steals type of guy three to seven steals which is okay, but I I think he's priced right at 330, you know, as a, as a late uh, mid 300 sort of guy, a late round pick for Avisal Garcia. And uh, I'll spoiler alert, he's not on my list, nor yours, as these post-300 breakouts. So I don't see a lot there. Keep an eye on Tampa Bay the rest of the way. If they make something, if they don't make any other moves to to compromise Avisal Garcia's volume, then you might start to look at it in your deeper leagues, particularly AL only, of course. But otherwise, I just don't see a lot of reason to be hyped about a 28-year-old who's really never shown all that much power. Uh, let's move on to a couple reliever moves. Adam Adovino finally lands. And uh, for fantasy, it's probably a bit unfortunate because he was looking like somebody who could be a closer in the right spot and get and get those saves. But he goes to New York, uh, basically returning as a, as a hometown boy because that's the, that's where he's from up there in New York. And so he's going to go be part of that that big Yankees bullpen they're rebuilding it you know they lost some pieces Robertson being the key piece a lot of Eno basically takes that spot and they brought back Britain so they're going to go Chapman Batances out of Eno Britain Chad Green and then even Tommy Canely uh who had that big breakout season then regressed last year as like your sixth seventh guy that's that's pretty nasty but how do you see out of Eno is he still somebody can he get enough volume to be a hater type you know he got 78 innings last year and had 112 strikeouts are you seeing that again is that is he somebody that you're drafting keep in mind also out of Eno, age 33 um so how do you view out of Eno in new york as a yankee now it'll be interesting to see where his adp trends after this pickup because be, i mean he's been going as uh, the 104th pitcher off the board, so that includes starters, obviously, uh, 260th overall. If he kind of declines a bit because people are bummed that he's not going to get save opportunities, uh, I think I'm going to be all over him. One, he, he offers strikeout upside. Uh, he's a ratio-stabilizing force in that bullpen. But two, Chapman's dealt with a lot of different injuries and a velocity decrease uh, that... Who knows what we're going to get at Chapman? I think, obviously, this, you know, he, he's got a super high ceiling uh, as a closer. Uh, you know, could easily be the best closer in 2019. But would it surprise you if he has an injury that shuts him down for half a season? Because I think Ottavino's next man up. Over Batanzas? Yeah. Because they just like Batanzas kind of they in the... They just hate uh... Batanzas as a person. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they said it in like in their arbitration well, agreement. Yeah, the way uh, they treated him with that. that, that I, I'm pretty dirty. sure there was a quote like, "We do not like this kid. He is just a trash yeah. human being." So <laughs> um, they, yeah, they didn't want to pay him, or you know, they basically we, we talk about how you know things have advanced in the game, but then you get to arbitration, and it's still pretty antiquated with regards to like saves, driving value, win loss, driving value, which is absurd. And, uh, you know, so it, it curbs somebody like like Batances there. But Adovino, you know, of course, you're putting him on the three-year deal. You've already paid him. He's 33. There's no reason to protect anything like that. If something were to, hap- were to happen to Chapman, 
Adovino could slide in. And, you know, I, what I'm most curious about, though, is if he can bring his walk rate back down. Because if you if you look in some previous years, Adovino was able to have the walk rate down at a very manageable level while still getting strikeouts. Now, if he could tamp those down, um, you know, he was at 4.2 last year, like a 12% rate, I believe, something up, up in that range. If he gets it under double digits while keeping the strikeouts for the most, you know, if he, if there's no hit to the strikeouts, of course, that's great. But if there's a little trade-off there, I would take that because that would improve the whip, which was still great, by the way, because he's so hard to hit uh, that he had a .99 whip. But there is a scenario where he can remain that difficult to hit, bring the walks down, and put up like a .80 whip. And then like he's really helping you ratio-wise. So there's a lot to like about what Adovino does. He has some of the nastiest pitches in the game. He's really smart about what he does crafting his pitches working with uh with sabermetrics and and you know analyzing his own stats to make sure that he's getting the best out of himself so i like adovino as well what about uh, a former closer who could be back in a role that this one could work cody allen going out to la to be an angel now and i liked adovino for them but i wanted them to get one of the big remaining relievers and despite the struggles that allen had last year I think this is a solid move. I wanted them to get somebody uh, to, to round out that bullpen a bit. I think they've made a lot of good moves. We've talked about how they obviously need some good favor, some good health, some good luck with their rotation, without a doubt. But to get another stabilizing piece in the bullpen there to go with some of their, you know, it's kind of pieced together. There's not a lot of name value in their bullpen, but Hansel Robles, Justin Anderson, Cam Vedrosian, Ty Buttery, Buttery, uh, they've got some decent pieces there, but Allen is kind of that centerpiece now. He should close. How do you like Cody Allen as an Angels closer? Mm, I think he's going to go fairly cheaply, so I'll probably have a, a few kind of last-minute shares, especially if I miss out on some of my mid or late targets. Yeah, the, uh, the, the market has pushed him down for sure, and he might move up now that he's got a job, mm-hmm. but... I doubt it's to a degree that I'm going to find cost prohibitive for Cody Allen. The hard part is we've seen kind of this small uh, velocity dips at times, his inability to, to command his pitches, uh, especially uh, his curve. And so uh, I, I worry that there's a lot of warning signs that maybe he's just been so overused and, uh, that there's something seriously wrong and that this this is the beginning of the end uh, for Allen. But I've loved Allen for a long time, and I really felt the last few years he's been kind of underrated as a closer. And so it's hard not to feel with this huge drop in ADP that he's still com- not completely underrated. Uh, I, I think he's definitely going to bounce back. Do I think he's going to be the 2016 version or 2017 version of Cody Allen? No. But I think that's also in the wide range of outcomes. Exactly. And I, I tend to agree there uh, with everything you said about Cody Allen because I think the price has baked in the, the flaws because they're they're evident and they're there. The home runs have crept up and, and the walks really spiked last year to uh, the second highest of his career and really a, a full season high at 11%. He did have a 12% mark in 29 innings as a rookie. But if I'm looking at kind of his full seasons, that 11% was a high. And, and last year was his first time below 30% strikeouts in the last five years. So I will say this, the, though, uh, yeah. in terms of like the, the location – uh, 
he gets a nice boost in outfield defense. Without a doubt, and he's a bit of a fly ball guy. And so I think that could make – that's not going to make up for all the warts, but I think having, uh, you know, Cole Calhoun may be a, you know, awful person. Um, it's not an awful person. <laughs> You're mad that he had a hot streak that you ignored. I still ignore it. Um, but he's a really good defensive player. The reason he was Tremendous. able to – stay on the field in spite of being so poor offensively the majority yeah. of the season was because he's such a great defensive player. Trout's obviously a very good defensive and uh, center fielder. Solid. Yeah, so I think... He's uh, not, not a total dud out there. And I, yeah, By the way, I said... Fielder, so who cares, right? I said a bit of a fly ball guy. He's a heavy mm -hmm. fly ball guy. 46 and 51% fly ball rates it's the really last two years up, Tony yeah. Allen. Yeah. So I think, I think moving... And people don't, you know... Remember, like how bad the the Cleveland defensive outfield has been in years past, with you know Lonnie Chisinau running out there and Melky Cabrera. Uh, I think for a Tyler while, Aikwin. um, in the past couple of years, they've used two outfielders because they couldn't field a third. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think they've just gone with an extra infielder because they just they don't have yeah. any outfielders. <laughs> I mean, it, Francisco Lindor is good, but I mean, obviously they're going to get some more balls in that infield when, when they have that six infielder just roaming yeah, around. Yeah, exactly. So I think his in defensive numbers are you know overrated because no one talks about their rover that they have because they didn't want they didn't have any outfielders. Um, but yeah, they they don't have a great outfield there, and so I, I, that's a good point about that hurting him. Obviously, when the ball goes 420 feet, no one's catching it. But even some of the long fly balls that could be tracked down, uh, as opposed to doubles in the gap. This is a good improvement. I think that's a great point there. So Cody Allen, we like uh, the price. As long as it doesn't shoot up too high, I really don't see it doing so because of those obvious flaws. He's an interesting bounce-back target at closer. Two small moves. Well, actually, one that's not even done. So a small move and, and a little bit of rumoring that I want to get your thoughts on. But Wilmer Flores out to uh, Arizona. You know, Obviously, we're talking super deep, mostly NL only leagues, but uh, Wilmer Flores has been somebody who's been mostly a lefty killer in his career with some utility capability because he'll he'll have a few positions. I'm looking right now to see if he's going to have multiple positions next year. And unless you have very loose rules, he will only have first base because he played 13 at second and 10 at third. So, so if you're a 10 Yahoo. game qualifier, yeah. yeah. And uh, like I said, if you touch, if you hit a double, you're automatically second base eligible for Yahoo. So that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's going to be first base only at the top for Wilmer Flores, which definitely cuts into the viability of him. I think maybe you, you know, a corner, a utility type. But how do you feel about Wilmer in Arizona? He's going to be a reserve player in most drafts, and yeah. this feels like the first real time there that he's going to get a full run at a position. I know he he's got penciled in as their second baseman. I know he got 500 plate appearances. In 2015 with the Mets, but even then, it just didn't feel like the Mets ever trusted him. Um, uh, full, you know, to give him a full-time role, uh, he's going to get that uh, this year. I mean, Death Rocks and Steamer both project him to have 140 uh, plus games played. Uh, they're both projecting him for over 20 home runs, and and I think that's right. I think Wilmer Flores is definitely th this move is adds a lot of sleeper value to him. And if they do let him play around the infield a bit, maybe he can pick up a bunch of different positions in season, definitely pick up second, but no reason to think he can't go back and pick up a third. Uh, yeah. If he's filling in for Escobar, uh, you know, when for he off could... days and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and they take switches. lamb off the field 
uh, when lefties come in, and obviously Escobar is going to be there, but if anything were to happen, Flores could easily be the third baseman against left fielders. Like I said, he's slated to start the season at second. So you'll have to draft him into a corner. Well, like you said, though, it's a reserve pick, I think, even in NL mm-hmm. only. He's going 593 in, um, in NFBC League. So even if you were to scale that down into NL only, I still think that's reserved. So that's a good point there. You don't have to put him into that corner or util to start. And there might be some breakout potential. So that's a good call on, on Wilmer Flores there. Keep an eye out on him, you deep league folks. We got I know we got plenty of y'all. Um, he's someone to keep an eye on for your NLs or your 20-teamers or even your 50-round draft and holds, which is where this ADP comes from. Uh, last bit here before we get into our breakout hitters post-300 ADP. The Sunday gray trade rumors are heating up. We, we heard before the offseason started that they were definitely going to trade him. And then mum was the word for quite a while. And now we're hearing some things perhaps back to the A's, over to the Padres, to the Giants. Looks like he's coming to California, <laughs> at least based on these early rumors here. Where would be your ideal landing spot in terms of opportunity, team, park, all of it? Where, where do you want Sonny Gray to go to where you'd say, you know what, I'm ready to draft him? I mean, I think I would want him back with the A's uh, because he's had success there. They're mm-hmm. a team that's going to be good, so you know he'll get some wins. Some win potential, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want Sonny Gray on my on my fantasy team. I don't really care where he goes. Oh, you don't want him at all? I, I've never been a Sonny Gray guy. Uh, I ate some crow about it a few years back uh, when he was actually – he actually had a, a pretty decent season, or maybe yeah. it was last year, uh, because I said coming off that injury that he just I, – I get visions of Tim Lincecum and kind of the physical breakdown he went being such a – uh, well, size, yeah. His si- well, size and then mechanics are, you, you know, aren't prototypical. Uh, and I just worry that Sonny Gray will never be the guy that we saw kind of towards the beginning of his career. 15, I 15, yeah. Yeah, I still feel that way. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not going to uh, go and buy in even low on a guy that uh, – that I don't believe it, that he can stay healthy or, or be effective when he is healthy. And so I think the best-case scenario is that he ends up – really any of these three, team, three teams That's that have true. been linked to him are good landing spots because both the Padres and the Giants have a nice stadium for him to pitch in. Uh, I can't imagine the Giants making this deal unless they're going to try to get him and then flip him again. Yeah, they could flip him down the line. I mean, he's still be only age 29. Seasons will be on the right side of 30. And maybe they feel they can buy low, flip him at the deadline. I mean, you have to look at those road numbers. Um, you always want to be careful getting too hung up on home road stuff. But when you see splits this stark and skills to match, uh, you're going to have a hard time convincing me there's nothing to it. 71 innings on the road with a 317-116 ERA whip combo with uh, uh, 78 strikeouts and 22 walks in those 71 innings. Bring him home, he's at a 698-190 with 45 strikeouts, 35 walks in 59 innings for Sonny Gray. And so, again, I just... The nice thing is both the Giants and the A's have nice defensive infields. And he's a big ground ball guy. And... um, even though I wouldn't say that San Diego's infield defense is that great, uh, it's better than a fly ball guy going out there because I don't love their outfield defense. So the fact that Gray is 
ground ball, at least I would still prefer that for San Diego versus and having San Diego's Renfro. will get better too because Urias will be up. He he's really yes. really slick with the glove. I like him a lot, especially if he's going to play it it's second. Um, I mean, if he plays it short too, he he he's a slick defender. Kinsler's still a good defender. Kinsler's a very good defender. Oh, that's right. So they have Kinsler, so he'll definitely play short. So that's a really nice up the middle combo. And who knows? I think they're still looking for their third baseman. Yes, and so, so if they go defensive focus there, that would uh, help somebody like Gray if he did go out there. And, and what we're talking about here is uh, fifty plus. 50% plus ground ball rates for his entire career. Last year it was a career low at 50 on the dot, but it was still at that uh, more ground balls than than fly ball situation there. So, you know, that I keep an eye on that with Sonny Gray. I want to see where he lands. I do have some interest because I do think that despite this being known, there are more folks like you who are just saying, I'm not really in on it. He's a pick 306 right now. He could have a good landing spot in the Bay Area with either ball club because even if it goes to the Giants where they're not necessarily projected to be a great team, everyone loves the park, so they automatically get a boost. But I don't see him going much higher than, say, 260 even with a great landing well, spot. Let me and, throw some names at you, though, that are going around the same spot. Yeah, as hit him. me. Mike Soroka. Man, I really like Soroka. Um, I think I might still go gray, though, if we're putting him in the Bay Area. Oh, wow, okay. Because I'm, I'm going Soroka. Uh, let's say Luke Weaver. Damn, you're, you're testing me. I like, back in on Weaver now because the price is tanked. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Weaver. And he's going about 20 picks later. Uh, yeah, going about th- 35 picks later, Michael Fulmer. Well, you know I love Fulmer. Well, I mean, that's, I, you know, I, I can throw guys that you don't like, but, I mean, I think this just illustrates, guys, you're, you're you know, you and I are both Woodruff fans. He's going yep. later. I like Descalfani. He's going much later. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Descalfani's interesting for sure. So you make a good point, too, because also, if you're doing this on the 300 ADP, I do think Gray will go up from wherever he lands, so then you're going to have even more guys that you might like from, say, the 250 range and beyond, depending on where Gray would would go. So he's a consideration for me, but he's in he's in a, a glob there where, depending on what I have, do I go with somebody who's a little bit more established like a Gray, or do I take a bigger gamble on somebody like Soroka or even Fulmer, who has some established performance but definitely had the bottom fallout last year with injury and losing that changeup. You know, so there are avenues where I could go divergent ways. I just I have Gray more on my radar than you do, but you did bring up some names that I would I would definitely favor over Gray. So just keep an eye on Sunday Gray, folks. Don't com- I would say just don't completely write him off to where if he lands up and you do miss out on your Sorokas and your Fulmers and your uh, you know Julio Ariases and whatnot, uh, and you're you're thinking, well, I'm stuck now. I got nothing. Then you can turn to Gray. I would turn to Gray over a Marco Gonzalez. I would turn to Gray over a Kyle Gibson, the worst pitcher that's ever How played Major League Baseball. Dare you? <laughs> I would turn to Gray. I would turn to Gray over Dylan Bundy. And I know Dylan Bundy's got that great slider, but I think he's got a lot more to fix than than Sonny Gray does. Especially if he ends up in like Oakland, because then because the Orioles aren't going to win any games. So exactly, like, the Orioles could easily set the all time record. And you guys for are going to win more. You guys are going to win more than Baltimore, too. So even anywhere in the Bay Area. That's so, so sad to me. 
I, I know. Listen, <laughs> we're both going through it, right? We had it. We had our time to shine. You guys actually finished the deal. We, my my beloved Tigers, came close and and couldn't quite get it. But we we were in the spotlight for uh, a hell of a decade for both both ball clubs. Uh, and now it's time to uh, to you know eat the dirt and and work the way back up. So I got called. I got called a Giants homer by someone in, in the comments of one of our episodes. And uh, if he's still listening, you just wait till we start talking about Giants players this year, because I am going to just rip my team constantly. <laughs> well, then, but then wait until you guys actually do the rebuild, and you have all these these interesting prospects to talk about. Then, then he'll really like that. You, yeah, <laughs> if, if it happens. Talk to me in five years, dude. Yeah, you come at me in five years, MF. Um, <laughs> all right, so those are the those are the moves right now. A little bit, a little bit chilly on the stove right now, but still getting those trickle in moves. Obviously, we're still waiting on the two biggies. Uh, and even some others beyond that. But let's talk about some breakout hitters post-300. I already mentioned some names, so let me just go through them again real quick. These are the guys that went post-300 last year, and you know the kind of seasons they had. And it ranges from, like, nice speedster to big power guy to uh, middle infielder who did a bit of everything and, and kind of all that in between. Aldoberto Mondesi, Malik Smith, CJ Crone, Jed Lowry, Johan Camargo, Miguel Andahar, Jesus Aguilar, Brandon Nimmo, Jerks and Profar and Harrison Bader. And that was just a sampling. And so you kind of run the gamut there from uber blocked to uh, post type prospect. You know, Alberto had been a big prospect, but he wasn't really getting the opportunity until later in the season to kind of a solid but boring guy who had a job. We've talked about guys like, you know, like a Wilmer Flores. We CJ Crone, we talked about probably last year saying, well, he's got a job, but what's he, what's he really going to do? Oh, he's going to go out and hit 30 homers and be basically free for you. Um, an age guy. These aren't just good. A lot of our guys are younger. We focused more on the younger end, but like a Jed Lowry. So there are some veteran types who could come up and and really be the surprises as well. So let's let's just go ahead and dive right into ours. Let's start with your guy who just falls inside the top 300, but you wanted to mention him, and because of the team he's on, I think it's worth spotlighting him because I don't know that he's going to get enough love. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Cedric Mullins and why you like him out there in Baltimore. He's at 292, so we we fudged a little bit, but I thought it was worth keeping him in. So go ahead and talk about Cedric Mullins. Well, and you can pretty much put half of this Orioles lineup in this category of of guys Mm -hmm. who uh, are going outside the top 300 because they're awful. Uh, and uh, but could have a chance to break out because the team is awful. So you know Mullins is the guy I'm I'm, I'm highlighting right here. But you know Austin Hayes is in this category. Renato Nunez. You know these guys. Hayes I think is you know he was everybody's favorite sleeper last year. Really underperformed in in the minors, and so he never kind of made it back up. But Renato Nunez, he's only 25. He's uh, a former you know kind of a former top prospect that has never really panned out, but he's got power. He's going to play third base every day for the Orioles. I think he's a guy that in your really deep leagues, ale only people should take gambles on. Uh, And Mullins is a guy that I love because not only is he going to play every day, he's going to lead off in Baltimore. Uh, And while the lineup behind him isn't great, that has a ton of value. He's going to see a ton of plate appearances. He's got power and speed. Uh, I think this is one of those guys that is a better fantasy player probably than a real-life player, but we don't care. He's going to play. Uh, his defense yeah, isn't we're going to keep fantasy. him off the field. Uh, I think he's a legit 2020 threat. Do you want Do you want to vomit mm-hmm. real quick? You know, I talked about the veterans, talking about, say, Lowry and Aguilar. Chris Davis could be that guy. 
Mm-hmm. He could. Especially in because, your OP formats. Exactly. And he's going to get to play because they're paying him that money. They have no reason not to. And they don't have anybody. He's not blocking off anybody. First off, first base prospects in general just aren't much of a thing. And since uh, well, Renato Orioles Rodriguez, prospects in general aren't much of a thing either. <laughs> Get Merrick Orioles fans. Um, yeah, so, you know, they're paying him all that cash. He's going to bat fifth or sixth. Uh, you know, Trumbo might also quote, like, whichever one, pick your flavor there. They're both going super late, and they could end up being that that forgotten veteran who just pops the 30-plus homers that you're like, damn, yeah, I, I did. You know, we obviously Davis has become a bit of a punchline because of what they still owe him, but he is legitimately free. I took him 620. In a, uh, in a in a draft and hold the one the continuation from the Arizona Fall League just because he kept falling and I was like you know what he's gonna have volume and in those leagues especially where you need guys who are playing at different times throughout the year where you're just dying for somebody that isn't um, just a prospect that you took a shot on you're like I've got 14 prospects and nobody to fill in at this utility spot. I went with Chris Davis there, so he could actually be one of. He wasn't one of my official picks, but while we're talking about the Orioles, he could be somebody. But I like Cedric Mullins. Well, that's in, a good one. Davis too. Last year was the first year since 2010 that he did not hit 25 home runs or more. Wow. So like you've got to think he bounces. Like even if he's not good, even if he, the dead cat bounce. Yeah, he's still going to hit 25 bombs. Yeah. For so, free, like yeah. li- like for nothing, free, man. absolutely nothing. nothing. And so you know, just again, I know when everyone's just away from a guy, that's when you should give him a second look, though, mm-hmm. and 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 a f- pro- format appropriate, right? We're not telling you ten for and twelve sure. teams to give Chris Davis a look. You might put him on your watch list. This just is in case AL only twenty team leagues draft and hold. Yeah, we're talking. Mm-hmm deep here but um these Best other guys ball. we are we are talking some other stuff so let's go to my first one here and i have talked a bit about him before but i want to highlight him again real quick is ryan o'hearn out in um uh, kansas city and i recently mentioned him in a piece of some of some guys post uh, i think it was post 280 piece that i like and i compared him a bit to matt olson without the hype because remember what matt olson did last year and he got all that hype which was, I mean, it was understandable why, because he was so bananas in the, like, whatever it was, 65 games that he that he had. Olsen hit, like, 25 homers that he was going top 120, 125 or whatever. Well, O'Hearn only hit 12 homers in his 44 games, but a damn fine 153 WRC+, plus, took the walks, struck out at a, at a power hitter's rate, 27%, nothing crazy, but uh, certainly on, you know, Again, what you would expect from a power guy. And so I really like uh, what, what I'm seeing out of Ryan O'Hearn, and I think he could be somebody that could really deliver some value and and, and be, again, like I said, Matt Olson of this year at without the Matt Olson price. So if you liked Olson last year, you should really like O'Hearn this year. Yeah, I'm not a bi- as big of an O'Hearn guy as you uh, but again, playing time should be there. That that Royals lineup is uh, pretty ugly as well, um, and he's like the only pop in it too because mm-hmm. so much of it is. Um, they're just trying to steal all the bases. Exactly. So uh, yeah, so he's going to get plenty of opportunities to to drive in runs. Uh, I worry about him in terms of the average kind of kind of cratering. Mm-hmm. But that's fair. 
there, even if it does, like I, like you said, he's the only pop in the middle of that order. Unless you really believe in like Bonifacio or, or Soler finally coming through, which uh, I think those are interesting guys in their own right. But ultimately, O'Hearn has kind of proven he can bop at the major league level. Yeah, so um, I like Ryan O'Hearn there. Let's move on to one that we've both propped up coming into 18, and he didn't quite pan out. Teoscar Hernandez is your next guy going about 312. How do you feel about what he could do this year. Opportunity seems to be challenged again, but you know that that that's our, that's kind of a given here. That's why they're going so late. So we're not going to mention that for every one of these guys and talk about how they're blocked because if you get too focused on that, that's how you miss out on good players because you worry too much about them being blocked. But the talent plays out and injuries happen. So I don't I don't get hung up on that. The Cody Bellinger one was kind of the last straw to where I I I got burned on a guy that I loved at Fall League. I was so excited about him, and then I didn't take him because I was, you know, I saw all the outfielders they had and Adrian Gonzalez, and I was just like, well, he has nowhere to play. And, you know, draft talent, not roles, and and I didn't follow it. So, obviously, he's an exception. I'm not saying all these guys are uh, Cody Bellinger, but I don't let that be a driving force behind my uh uh, my decisions now. So talk about Teoscar Hernandez, who is somebody that I like as well. He's a stat cast hero. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I just love, when you look at his stat cast numbers and you just kind of salivate, he, you know, he's uh, top 3% of the league in barrel percentage, top uh, 7% of the league in exit velocity. Uh, he's just a guy who makes contact and makes it with power. So it just it's a matter of time before, you know, it's not like he's got a launch angle problem. I think part of it has been luck. I think part or bad luck. I think part of it has been uh, playing time, because like you mentioned, the Blue Jays obviously don't believe in this guy a ton, because otherwise, why do they keep bringing in random guys to, to block him? What it was uh, Granderson last year? Uh, hey, hey, whoa, whoa. We, we love Granderson's Granderson. A random guy. We love he's Granderson, a, a but he's like 65, and <laughs> like there's no reason you should be blocking uh, Teoscar Hernandez, Fair. who was 25 Fair. at the time and really showing a lot of great skills. Uh, <laughs> but completely um, fair, completely fair. So, I mean, there's obviously warts, uh, because that's why they haven't given him full time. You know, the, the strikeout rate problems, but I think those are palatable in this kind of day and age of high strikeouts. And, uh, this guy could be a special middle of the order bat. It it's may speed too. Yeah, for Tasker. for sure. And it's, I think it may just take them moving uh, Kendrews Morales in a trade uh, or, or they're cutting bait on him though. I don't think they'll necessarily do that, but he needs an injury. He needs a trade to kind of open up playing time. But if he does, this guy has legit 30, 35 homer potential. No um, doubt. And, and again, several big stolen base seasons in the minors for mm-hmm. Teoscar Hernandez was only five for 10 last year. So it's not a major part of his game, but if you can get 30 homers and 10 steals, out of somebody this late, even if he hit 250, um, that'd be amazing. So Teoscar Hernandez is a good name for sure. Let's move on to Alex Verdugo. And I guess this would be a bit of that Cody Bellinger analog. Again, not with quite the ceiling uh, hitting-wise, but maybe the overall profile has a similar value. Yeah. If, if 
if you're talking about player value, yeah, I think so because his defense is so strong. Oh, okay, okay. From a real I'm life, ta- I'm talking about yeah, from the real life mm-hmm. war uh, that that he would deliver. Uh, but again, that's why it's not a perfect analog for fantasy because he's not going to hit the way Cody Bellinger did. But the, that same thinking might be in mind where you're like, well, he's blocked. Even with the trades, you can finagle a scenario where you feel like he's blocked. But I think he's at least going to get frontside platoon. Uh, in right field and I think he's good enough to possibly take all of it and be just a really solid player not spectacular in any one category but just a quality player and I love these defense first guys you guys hear me talk about it every year who can assure themselves playing time via the glove and give themselves some time to kind of figure it out at the dish he doesn't strike out a ton he knows how to take a walk uh, so there's a little bit of pop a little bit of speed maybe like a a 15-8 season with like a 280 average and if you're an obp it could Prime be upwards Melky of cabrera. say 340 yeah which you know doesn't sound super appealing but ne- neither was monkey cabrera and then he would put up a bunch of 20 dollars seasons mm-hmm. and uh think about where verdugo's going that's why it's appealing 353 so that's mine um alex verdugo do you have any thoughts on him before we move on to your next one um uh i got some some insider information on verdugo that i i can't really say on air so i'll oh. tell you off but I am fading Verdugo, even though I've been a long-time fan of his. Interesting. Uh, so uh, he he doesn't have a great fantasy profile because, like I said, he, he's probably Melky, prime Melky Cabrera. That's actually a good – with with better defense, mm-hmm. but the pro- offensive profile – For sure. But the defense keeps him on fair. the field, and so he can become kind of an accumulator of yep. stats as opposed to being a guy who's going to win you at any certain category. Uh and because he's going so late and he's going to be on a good team, it's really nice value. So he, he's going to supply you know a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed. Uh, I think he is a better uh, hitter in terms of his average than I think steamer and death charts give him credit for. Yes. I think he's a guy that could easily hit 280, 290 at the major league level. Uh, and, so, and then you add in being on the Dodgers, he's going to get runs and RBIs. Uh, I think he could be a very, very valuable piece in terms of helping your the bottom half of your roster not suck, which is always, you know, especially if you're in an auction, he's like a great stars and scrubs guy because he's a scrub that's gonna, he's not gonna play like a scrub. But, I like Yusnel Diaz, and he's somebody that could get drafted in like a 50 round draft and hold for Baltimore because um, he was part of the Manny Machado trade. But if I were Baltimore, I would have really held out for Verdugo. But from a dynasty perspective, I'm selling Verdugo because I think he's at the height of his value right now. I don't think people realize he doesn't have this super high ceiling. Um, and then, uh, like I said, the uh, the insider info, which I I, I wish I could re- say. Boy, I but, can't I can't wait to hear this. So the pod's uh, over. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> is is scary for me long term. Okay. So uh, I would say uh, from a from a redraft perspective, I'm willing to take a shot on him. From a dynasty perspective, I am not touching him, and I'm trying to sell him for you know whatever for 95 percent of value. Trying to sell high on him, yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. So, uh, your next one is somebody we talked about in post type. So we're going to go quickly on him just to reiterate our our mutual like. By the way, I could have easily put him on my list. Willie Calhoun, we've talked about liking the bat last year was a bit of a bust year. Some self inflicted stuff, by the way, too. Some sulking about not getting the outlook that he wanted. Hopefully he comes back recharged, energized to say, you know what, I'm going to have an opportunity this year. If I go out and handle my business, I got to make it so hard for the Rangers to not just put me in and play me. I assume that, you know, that's why you like him so much. He's priced to buy. Last year, 
you know, um, we weren't the only ones who liked him. His price was up there a little bit. And again, it was a flop. But this year on the buyback, that's why he was one of our post types. So give us a little bit more on uh, uh, Willie Calhoun. I just think if he can ever find a defensive home, and this is why people all the time like, well, defense doesn't matter. Defense matters. BS. Yeah. It's because the only reason Willie Calhoun isn't playing every day is because he's built like a bowling ball and he can't move around defensively on his own. Too, yeah. Yeah. He's a little bit short oh, fi- yeah, and fire stout. Agent, yeah. Fire agents are better. Uh, bowling ball is kind of a football reference. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Calhoun is de- he's definitely a fire hydrant because he's short, stout, and doesn't move laterally. Um, <laughs> but if he ever gets a shot full time, he's going to hit 30 home runs with a good average. That's what I love is that he can hit with the average too. Mm-hmm. Like you could, you could it's, legitimately, you could dream on 310, 30. Yeah, it's such a weird profile too because he doesn't walk. Yeah. Uh, but do just but he makes, strike out. He doesn't strike out. He makes a ton of contact. It's hard contact. Uh, he could, if they could figure out a way to move, uh, you know, the, the guys blocking him at DH, uh, Chew especially, mm-hmm. I think he'd be playing every day as a G- DH, and eventually he will. If it's this year for sure, I don't know. I think at some point they've got to give him a shot, and this is kind of a, a retooling year for, for the Rangers. Uh, no so doubt. Why not just let him play every day, uh, figure out some way to either eat some of the chew contract or uh, it's just this year next, but it is 42 mil for chew. So that yeah. is still sizable, but the years aren't long. So if they ate some of the money mm-hmm. and uh, chew still put up a 377 OBP last year too. So he's, there would be some valuable. value. Like he'd they be a have good to find raise a addition. Yeah, they'd have to find a team who wants a a uh, like seventy five percent DH, twenty five percent field. Like, you can go out there every once in a while for you, but you don't want to put him out Rays, there every day. Twins. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I agree with you, Willie Calhoun. We're still buying. We still like him a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talent in that bat. Don't sleep on him. If you liked him last year, you should stay with him this year. This is a dynasty buy low Justin. for sure. Especially 100%. if for some reason he doesn't make the opening day roster. Then you really dive in because people are going to be like, oh, God, I'm, yeah, I'm tired of this. People, people will prospect fatigue him to the end, and in Dynasty Leagues, you'll be able to buy him for nothing. Totally agree. That's Willie Calhoun out in Texas. Another quick one because he actually briefly mentioned him, mentioned him when we were talking about Gray maybe going out to San Diego. Luis Urias is one. I really love him. Um, I saw him at Fall League. And so I kind of been really intrigued by him since came up last year, was doing a few things with the bat, nothing over the top, actually got off to a, a fast start, I believe, and then really tailed off. It was such a small sample, though, that, you know, having like eight bad games could bring you down. And that's why he had a 618 OPS. And I think he popped his hammy and uh, and missed the rest of the year. But honestly, if those numbers impact his draft stock, that's great because he had a 68 WRC plus. Yeah. Don't don't take him, guys. Weigh those fifty-three plate appearances very heavily if you're in a league with me, and let me snap him up. Now, there's not a ton in the fantasy profile right off the top. It is a batting average first guy, but I always talk about how getting batting average late is so difficult. So when I see somebody like this that you can get it from, I like it. Plus, how many of these quality hit guys, hit tool guys, have we seen add power at the majors? So while he's been like an you know, eight to ten home run profile in the minors. I think he could get into that mid-teens level, that thirteen to fifteen, throw in seven to ten steals, and and hit two ninety plus. He has with volume in that bat. It now, does. I think he may. I think people are getting a little bit too excited on that pop. 
because I, I want to see him be able to turn on some of these pitches at the major league level uh, because he's done it really in the Cal League. Um, and then what was Dominican winter ball where he hit that bomb? Uh, Arizona Fall League. Oh, okay, Arizona Fall League. So, uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I think people are starting to go, well, I think he's got more power than he showed. And I think he does have more power. I think he could be a 15 home run bat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some people who are comparing him to Jose Ramirez. I was one of those people. And Based on the look, really, mm-hmm. more than anything else. I, it, that's a tough thing to put on anybody because of yeah. what Jose Ramirez has become. But think about early career Jose Ramirez. For sure. If, if we're talking about a guy who could potentially down the line be, especially as he kind of matures into his body a little bit more, could be a potential 2020 guy. With yeah. a good average, I think that's fair. But I think if people are thinking that he's going to be like a potential 30-30 guy, I think that's that's, that's above his range of outcomes. At least I, I agree. in my belief. I think his ceiling is a 20-20 guy. I think more realistically, you're looking at a guy who's probably a 10-20 or a 15-20 with a, with a 300 average, which is huge in fantasy. That's what I love is the late batting average for Luis Arias. So that's Arias out there in San Diego. Uh, next up on your list is Keston here. Speaking of the Arizona Fall League, I saw him. All he all he does is smack liners all over the place, man. This guy wakes up and he's gonna he's gonna smack five liners. Now they might not all hit drop in, so he might go over five, but with with exit velos to make you drool. It was just really impressive. He drew strong reviews from the scouts as well. He's definitely one of those that you're gonna look at the depth chart and say, well, he's blocked. And it's not uber blocked. You know, there's nothing like Corey, Corey Spangenberg doesn't push anybody off forever. But he's a quality. You know, he's a capable major leaguer or whatever. And so you could you're going to say, oh, well, he's blocked. I can't take him. No, because if he does what he he's capable of, Keston here does, and goes to AAA, and and clicks right away. We could be looking at something where he's up four to six weeks into the season. I do think it is something where you're going to have to hang on for a while. But that would still leave upwards of five months of, of playing time. And so I do think sometimes people get too April-focused. Now, again, this is all league contextual. If you're in the NFBC, you don't want a dead spot for, for four to six weeks because it gets around that third, fourth week where you're like, I got to cut this guy. And so you wasted those other three weeks at, at potential opportunities. Um, and, and so if you're not, if you're not patient – don't do it. In fact, I would say just don't do it in the NFBC. Wait until he's a, a potential call-up. But in other leagues where holding a reserve isn't as difficult, some of you guys play with leagues that have 10 reserves, and you can even you know have minor slots. If it's not a full-on dynasty, you have like three minor slots. Keston here is a beast. So talk to us about uh, why you like him so much after his breakout season last year. Uh, I think there's a ton more power coming. I think unlike Urias, who, who has kind of has shown middling power in the minor leagues, but and there is a little bit more power coming. I think he is what he is in terms of power. I think Hira at some point is easily a 20 home run bat, uh, if not 25. Uh, he can steal bases too. I th- the mm-hmm. reason why the Brewers did not go out and spend money on a second baseman is because they believe Hira is going to be their solution very quickly. Exactly. This is why That's they why didn't go by Kinsler. They didn't go by. Uh, Dozier or because it was Murphy. it was a deep market Murphy yeah mm-hmm. they could have gone so many different avenues DJ LeMahieu but mm-hmm. they bypassed it Spangenberger placeholder you can bring up Keston and you still don't have to discard Spangenberger then he becomes a super util yeah and so 
Well, and, and Spinnaker is, is, is a great kind of super utility guy, and they, now the, now they'll have two of them once Hero's up. Him and uh, uh, Hernan Perez, uh, yep. yeah, who who can they can both play all over the place. Uh, and I like Spangenberg as kind of like a really deep sleeper, especially for speed, uh, you know, in, in Milwaukee on a team that runs a lot uh, while he's going to be manning second base for them. But here is the here is the future, and I think the future is coming a lot sooner than maybe other people do. So grabbing Agreed. him at 360 is, uh, is a really nice value. Yep, agree with that on Keston here. Definitely someone to keep an eye on and again, let your league context decide when you take him and if you take him at the draft table or just have him on that watch list and keep an eye on what he does in the minors because he had 73 games at double A. So it's not like he's fully seasoned and they're going to bring him up, you know, on that uh, 13 day deadline like Vlad Jr. and Eloy Jimenez. There's a little bit more seasoning to be done for Hira. Uh, my next one is a Tigers one. Hey, I can actually get hyped about a Tiger, Kristen Stewart. Uh, really interesting power guy who can take walks. He's going to have strikeouts. You know, it's not going to be a great batting average, but I think there's 25 homers here pretty easily. I was kind of surprised they didn't call him up sooner last year because he's already 24. I didn't think there was really any need to kind of drag it out, but that's fine. They, you know, they chose to give him the 17 games, uh, let him finish out the season with the club, but I thought he could have gotten a couple months really, and it wouldn't have been a problem. Knows how to take a walk too, and didn't strike out a whole lot at at, at the major league level in his 72 game sample. Now I don't know if that's going to necessarily hold, especially as they get more of a book on him. He was definitely in the uh, low to mid 20s strike out rate in the minors but 18 percent uh with the with that small sample but a 14 percent walk rate and double digit walk rates have always been a thing for Kristen stewart so obp leaguers definitely take a look but the pop is there like i said mid-20s homers from the jump chance at 30 and to get uh, potential 30 homers at pick 371 intrigues me and he should have nothing but a full opportunity in detroit even with his dreadful glove uh, they can cycle him in at DH as well with Victor gone. That can be more of a rotating spot because as much as we might want them to put Miggy there full time uh, to keep him off his feet for our fantasy goodness, he's simply not going to allow it, making himself like he's going to want to play. And I get it, you know, and he's a superstar and he can kind of dictate uh, some of that potential for himself. So he's going to be out there playing first base as much as he can handle. And that will leave Stewart at DH. So he's off his feet. So Kristen Stewart, how do you feel about uh, about that one? Yeah, I mean, the glove is the thing that I think has held him back because it, I I was really impressed with him in his short sample. So he only played 17 games, but what he did in those 17 games kind of reaffirmed some of the gains that he's made in terms of not striking out in the minors. He's, in, he's mm -hmm. continuously improved over the last few seasons, uh, you know, continuously improved an already strong walk rate. Uh, and then the contact. He made what I think over ninety-two percent contact in the zone uh, in his short stint. Wow, that's awesome! Uh, that's especially really for a sharp. guy who's for a power a power guy. Uh, he doesn't swing a ton outside of the zone. Twenty-eight percent is 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 fine. Uh, you know, good overall contact rate at seventy-eight percent for for a power hitting uh, outfielder. The the issue is the glove. Uh, but like you said, they can hide him at DH now that Victor Martinez is gone and, and Miggy will, you know, play some days. And then they could put him out in the outfield a little bit. Um, yeah, let him, let him try to improve. The Tigers you know, aren't going to be good. It's it's the giant no. syndrome. So, like, who cares if the defense isn't great? And it's not let like Nick Castellanos play full time out exactly. there in right field. So, Come on. Uh, I, I think that this is one of those guys that, again, it may be a little bit of prospect fatigue. Uh, but... I think he is a real potential to be a 25, 30 home run guy if he gets 
550 plate appearances, which there isn't any reason why he shouldn't. Yeah, I, I to- totally agree there. So Kristen Stewart in Detroit, uh, as you can tell, we've picked on some of these these lesser teams because they're going to have the avenue for the playing time more easily. Let me group three speedsters together and have you pick your favorite because I, I like all three, but uh, they kind of range in what they're capable of doing. Roman Quinn in Philly, kind of the more blazing speedster. Dustin Fowler in Oakland also throws in some punch with it. And then a prospect who has not appeared at the major league level yet, Oscar Mercado in Cleveland. And all we've done this offseason is rail them about how they have no, just earlier in this pod, we were saying they used two outfielders because they couldn't feel the third. And so they got him in a deal last year from the Cardinals, uh, Oscar Mercado, and he's in AAA, 132 games last year. He's going to be age 24. He's, he looks to be ready. Like he, he looks to have an opportunity in front of him if he can handle it. And he's a, a 30 stolen base guy uh, or more each of the last four years, including 50 in 2015, 33 in 16, 38 in 17, and 37 last year between the Cardinals and Indians organizations. So uh, that's Oscar Mercado, Roman Quinn, and Dustin Fowler. Who's your favorite there? They're all going 410 or later. And Oscar Mercado is way off the map at 708. He's only going in draft and follow right now, or draft and hold. Oh, this is a hard one because for me, it's all about who has the better path to playing time. Mm -hmm. So right in this moment, it's Roman because they haven't signed. Yeah, because they haven't signed (laughs) Harper. But that is going to change here very quickly Mm -hmm. uh, because I think they will land Harper. I think Machado goes to the White Sox. Uh, and 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 Harper goes to Philadelphia. So then Roman Quinn becomes kind of the odd man out. I still think he is going to give back value uh, because he can play in the infield as well as the outfield and just kind of be a super utility guy, uh, stolen base threat off the bench. I think he could be very similar to uh, like a Gerard Dyson in years past or, or yeah. uh, a Rajay Davis in years past. So I think he's That's my good, good favorite, call. the most well, and the all these guys are interesting, and all these guys will be on teams of mine. I think Mercado's the most interesting. I, I fully agree there because, I mean, again, we're going to rail this point home probably 20 more times this offseason until they make a move that they sign A.J. Pollock or something. But even if they do, one move's not going to change anything in terms of their their lack of depth in the outfield. They currently have Naquin, Leonis Martin, and Greg Allen, who, by the way, is an int- intriguing speed option in his own right. But even if they sign a, a Pollock or somebody else, I don't know any of the other outfielders who are available that aren't Harper off the top of my head, but even if they sign one guy, there's still avenues to get there. And like I said, Mercado, age 24, tons of speed. What do you like about him as somebody who's a little bit more in tune with prospects? Uh, he he is just really good <laughs> in terms of stealing bases. He's got good instincts. Mm-hmm. He's fast. Uh, a pretty decent hit tool. He's not a guy who's going to ever hit 300, but no reason to think he can't hit 260, 270 at the major yeah. league level, even in a rookie year. My biggest question marks are, because I haven't seen anything about how he's playing defensively in the outfield because he was a shortstop before. Okay. Um, and he's he's been transitioning to the outfield uh, with Cleveland. I believe he played the majority of his games uh, after being traded in that deal uh, with Cleveland in the outfield, so it's not like he doesn't have any time under his belt. But All I of ju- them, actually. Okay. He, he did not play a single infield uh, shortstop game with them. In fact, hasn't been at shortstop since 16. So the transition oh, okay. oh, so has been full the last two years. Uh, with Oscar Mercado. He is an outfielder now. Now, I don't know how the defense has played, 
but he he is there. That, that's super where he fast. is now. So yes. I mean, that doesn't always mean everything, uh, Malik, Malik Smith. Smith. <laughs> so uh, get roasted. Alex. But the. The Indians have not been a team that have cared about outfield defense. As we talked about earlier on in this podcast with, with Cody Allen, this is a team that's run really atrocious defensive players out there. Aquinches, uh, Melky. Mm-hmm. So uh, even, if he, he, even if his defense is subpar, I think the speed will make up for some mistakes, and uh, there's no reason to think that he can't be on this roster considering right now their outfield is projected to be Greg Allen, uh, Leonis Martin, and Tyler Naquin. And then Jordan Luplo off the bench. There's no universe where Mercado can't break that group and possibly even break camp. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not he's not the type of prospect that needs to be saved for that extra time either, especially because— The hard because... part is they've got guys who are out of options in, in Pluecki and Maroff who— well, I guess they're, they're ah, that's a good point. They're, they're they're and those are infielders. Okay, you know, obviously a catcher and an infielder. Uh, Loop now, Luplo has a uh, uh, one option left. So the, it depends on what kind of bench they want to run with, or how, how deep they want their bullpen to be. Um, but like, I don't guess think who's he, here. Oh, Kyle, you made it! I texted him you earlier. Hear that trash? So. Unbelievable! You know, Unbelievable! Mercado. Uh, could easily be a platoon partner at least to start the season. Sure. Uh, with uh, like a Naquin, so it's the short side of the platoon. But uh, uh, Naquin isn't a very good player. I'm just, no, he had, he that, had, he had that, that one surge. stretch, yeah, yeah where he was great surge when he first mm-hmm. got up and had some great moments. But that was the best that that we'd seen out of him, and uh, obviously didn't pan out beyond that. Uh, didn't even play much. I don't even know. Did he make the majors last year? Was he in? I don't believe he played much at all, if at all. Yeah, uh, let me he see. Might, he, I think he came up right after Zimmer's injury. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did get 61 games, but it was so yeah. lackluster that that's why I didn't. Honestly, okay. So what I mean, I was he cost of, him a World Series. Let's just be honest. Like, he, I mean, his defense true. was so bad in the World Series. It was brutal i was thinking of 17 though because um i i thought 17 was the breakout it was actually 16 where he had the surge mm-hmm. and then 17 he played just 19 games and then last year he languished only played 61 so tyler naquin's not blocking anyone leonis martin great glove and glad that he's healthy and ready on track because he had that intestinal issue that was looking legitimately life-threatening at mm-hmm. a point last year so good to know that that he's solid by the way i actually kind of like him as a late guy too but i've always been a fan of Leonis Martin going back to his uh, uh, Texas days. So, mm-hmm. I, I, that, and I, I like Fowler a lot too. And I yes. think, uh, I think ultimately talent will win out, and he will become an everyday player in Oakland. But right now, he's blocked. Teeny uh, mostly though, because well, that's who he's fighting for. Because Biscotti and Ramon Laureano should hold their spots. Yeah, I, I think he is better than Laureano. Uh, uh, in terms of in terms of true talent, but that has to show up on the field, uh, and it hasn't quite yet. And I think part of it is he hasn't gotten the full time run. Uh, true, but at the end of the day, I'm going to bet that he is going to supplant them. The problem is because they've got people out of options. He's probably going to start the year in the minor leagues. So yep. Uh, Well, Martini has two, though, so maybe he can battle Martini. Martini's mm, age 29 season. Maybe they could battle it out and see who wins there. Martini's a really good defensive player, though. 
and they might favor just saying, you know what, let's give Martini the shot and not bring up Fowler, who is still young, and kind of keep his years at bay for a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. But all three are intriguing, and I, I, uh, I, I will have shares of them as well. I totally agree. Last one here is, uh, is I believe this is the one who pronounces it differently, Brandon Lau. And Nathan Lowe, is that or Nathaniel Lowe? Is that, is that how it goes? I, I think it's right, but I, I could be wrong. I, I I think it's Brandon Lowe, even though it's L O W E, and everyone else pronounces that Lowe. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, Lowe rhymes with now is what they they even put rhymes with now <laughs> on Baseball Reference. So well done on their part there. Appreciate that. Um, you know, intriguing bet here, and. He put he put together a little bit of offense last year. Put up a 113 WRC plus. Took some walks. Did, did have some swing and miss, but popped six homers. Even stole a couple bases. This was, this was in 43 games, so six and two on the homer steals. Uh, was in a small sample. Popped 14 homers in AAA before that. Eight homers in AA before that. So if you add it all up, you're looking at a 28 homer season. In uh, excuse me, in 493 plate appearances, excuse me, 593 plate appearances last year with 10 steals for allow across three levels. Um, I don't know if the Avisal Garcia thing is going to push him. In fact, let me see where he where Lau shakes out on their uh, on their death chart. By the way, the fact that they have right both now they have Nathaniel him Lowe, off. That I mean, I think that might, might, makes sense because they can easily push him down and let some things play out and then bring him up as a uh, in-season reinforcement. Yeah, they have him down. He is still on the 40-man, but he's got hell, He's got all three options. Um, I wonder whose spot he could Robertson. feasibly take. I like Robertson a little I bit. I like Robertson too, but maybe he heard, hurt his thumb. Oh, um, okay. He hurt his thumb at the end of the last. No, they need to hurry as a defensive replacement or uh, Kiermaier insurance. Um, defense. Kiermaier never gets hurt. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I think he could potentially replace Robertson, uh, or if someone gets injured, he's obviously, I think, the first man up. Yep. That means he likely isn't starting the year, unless Robertson's thumb injury that ended his season last year isn't completely healed, which is always a, you know, potentially a possibility. So, yeah, stay tuned on that for yeah, sure. So, we just kind of watch it in spring. He's probably starting the year in the minor leagues. He's got it. You're right because uh, they got to go. Fam, Kiermaier, Meadows, which I like all three of those guys, by the way. So um, there isn't a spot. He does have. He is that kind of a two B left field type of guy. But Joey Wendell, the one thing he does, even if you don't believe in his his big batting average last year, defense is a major part of Joey Wendell's game. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get his opportunity. So yeah, Lau's going to start uh, down in the minors assuredly but with a 486 adp that's completely built in and we're looking for guys who could break out at some point during the season so just keep an eye on him if and when he comes up um you know matt duffy is not somebody who's you know been able to stay healthy there's been rumors about him getting traded like he could be part of wow no uh duffy Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, he could be a guy who ends up in San Diego as their kind of temporary third baseman as they wait for Tatis to be ready. Yeah. Uh, and then that would open up a spot for uh, for, for Lau to come up and either play, you know, move Wendell over to third or uh, and, and then play him at second. So Don't forget Yandy Diaz, too, though, as oh, far as God, third base. Right, so if Duffy went, He was actually a guy I almost space. put on this list, but we just talked about him. So Because uh, Diaz is a guy going outside the top 300 that, just a small tweak. Just just figure just, out just, how to change that launch angle to a positive bit. number, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he could take off. 
The bottom line, as is always the case with the Rays, is they have a lot of guys, but they all seem to get a chance somehow too. So even though they're always crowded, everyone seems to get a look at some point to to have a chance to prove themselves. So what I do like about Lau is that he's not um, super young. I know that sounds weird to say because we usually like want, want the players who are uh, in their early 20s, but the way Tampa Bay slow roasts their guys, I kind of want the guys in the mid-20s that are going to be more apt to get that opportunity. So he should be first man up because he can kind of fill in or at least push other people around to fill in wherever anything happens outside of, of course, catcher. But uh, Brandon Lau, somebody just to keep an eye on, has a bit of power, a bit of speed. I think the power could win out and make it be impact, whereas the speed is more of a, a, a contribution, the old 7 to 10 over the course of a full season there. So that, that, that does it. That's my list there. We will do this for pitchers as well. Um, if, you want to, if you want to follow along, you can go to the NFBC ADP. I will link it in the show notes. Set it to uh, – you can do – I mean, there's seven drafts for July or for January 1st. Now you can. We did Christmas, so the ADP might be a little different. But maybe going forward on these, we'll do we'll do uh, the first of the year until now, and then uh, just take out just do draft champions only because the other formats that have drafted like uh, cut line are different, and they're really going to skew things. So just do draft champions, and then you can pick some players that you like post 300 hitters that you think could have breakout seasons and it doesn't have to be somebody who's um never hit before if you think matt kemp can go off again and and hold it all year you can put him you know you can put veterans if you want we took more of a a youth player focus but those are just the guys that jumped out to us so uh, feel free to put those in your comments or on twitter as well and uh, we will do a pitch well maybe we'll do it next week our pitch our positional previews are going to start soon though because like I said, the 1st of February is creeping up quickly, and I, for one, am very excited because before we know it, pitchers and catchers will be reporting, and uh, it'll be great. So we'll get into those soon, but we're still doing this sort of stuff, and we're going to do a lot of strategy stuff. So if there's certain things on strategy you want to hear us talk through, let let us know um, your ideas there. I know Justin has ideas that he's going to want to cover, but we're always open to hearing what you guys want us to talk about as well because obviously this is – this is for y'all. So uh, definitely let us know there. And Justin, I think maybe we, we should be on the docket for a couple pods next week, right? Yeah, yeah. We can start. My wife's still here, but uh, she's not back at work yet. But we can start doing some multiple pods a week. Uh, we just got to kind of figure out days with my school schedule starting next week, too. I want right. to just announce one more thing. I forgot to kind of announce it yes, at the top. Hopefully people are still listening. So TGFBI moving over to NFBC. I think I've said that this year. Um, Which is awesome. I always get questions from kind of, you know, listeners or readers and things like that about how can I get into TGFBI. So uh, on the most recent podcast over TGFBI, uh, I kind of explained how, uh, and I'll, I'll, I guess I'll just do it real quick. If you don't want to go listen o- over to it, just go give it a five-star review and then send a donation of any size. You know, obviously we want to uh, make it more. Uh, the more zeros less. you have on yeah, there, exactly. the better. Uh, but <laughs> Every person that, you know, until I fill up all the leagues I'm going to do, um, that sends a donation, leaves a five-star review over there, will get into a uh, TGFBI satellite. Winners of those satellites will be in the 2020 uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Fantastic. All the money raised are going to go to Fantasy Cares, which uh, spends money uh, at the end of the year for Christmas presents for underprivileged children. 
There you uh, go. We've it's already raised like 400 bucks. Yeah, no, it's not oh, going wow. in my pocket. We've yeah, already raised 400 bucks for uh, the first league's full. Second league is, I think, about halfway full. So That's fantastic. Um, I'm hoping that we could potentially even break $1,000 to donate. They donated $40,000 last year uh, worth wow. of toys. Um, uh, it's Scott Fish from the Scott Fish Bowl who does yes, that. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. And That's so uh, I'd, I'd love to – we're obviously not going to donate that much, but it's a really good cause. Uh, the the PayPal account is thegreatfantasyinvitational at gmail.com. Uh, you can just email me a screenshot of whatever you PayPal and a screenshot of the review, and I will get you in. There you go. That's the way you can get in, get into the satellite, prove your uh, medal there. Then you can get in uh, into the main and, and see what you can do there. So that, that'll definitely uh, wrap it up. I'm excited. I just signed up for TGFBI. I got to make a better show. I started off hot and then I cratered. So I got I got. I started come... off hot in the projections and then it was downhill from there. <laughs> I, I, I got to come correct this year and, and, and make some noise. So I'm, I'll be eager to do that. But uh, we'll get out of here and we'll be back next week. Justin, have a fantastic weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Take it easy.